For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 148 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we got a bunch of shit to talk to you guys about this week. It's Boy, are we excited it's been to an talk to you about it. Explosion of Star Wars news and rumors and the, the world red carpet premiere of Solo took place last night. So a little bit of news came out of that. We got some early social media reactions and... Uh, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Ain't it, though? Isn't it always, though? Indeed. But before we get into everything we got to discuss this week, I'm going to give you guys the business. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a tea Public store where we sell shirts and stickers and pins and I don't know about pins, pillows, re- reusable grocery bags. Tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And we are very excited and proud to be part of the best damn ass podcast network in the galaxy the making star wars podcast network where we are but a dim flickering light on the christmas tree light strand of star wars podcasts like now this is podcasting steel wars rebel girl the sith list rogue one a star wars podcast for winners podcast 2187 cantina cast idiots array tarkin's top shelf first order transmissions and the cargo hold Mm. There we go. <laughs> um, so how you been, buddy? I've been good. It's been an exhausting week, but it's been a good one. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. I've had quite the exhausting one myself, so I can definitely empathize, but I'm not going to complain. I got a kick-ass vacation coming up where I get to hang out with you and Jesse, see all our California friends. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Mm. 
I got the tingles just thinking about it. I know, man. I can't fucking wait. I wish it was here already. I'm just... I need a vacation, dog. I'm going to share my California playlist on Twitter, and I'm going to see if any of the moisture farmers can think of anything that I need to add to it. Do you want to... Are you looking at it now? You could... You could go uh, ahead and uh, shoot I can't, it off I, with me. You know what? We can. We have the time, don't we? Yeah. We why don't time. you look it up? Fuck it. I mean, let, let me. It takes got, two seconds to pull up. We got nothing but time. This is our show. We yeah. Do all the we butt want. time you want. All the butt time you can handle. Um. I got a small confession to make. Oh yeah. Yeah. Last weekend, Jesse and I did something that I I didn't foresee myself doing. Um, and you might be kind of disappointed to hear about. Uh-oh. We played a little Fortnite. Oh, well, that's not disappointing. Nah. It's, Was it's, it fun? Yeah. You know what? I'm, as bad as I am at PUBG, I'm worse at Fortnite. I'm sure it's really? just a matter of, um, you know, needing to practice. I played one night with Jesse. Um, we got on to play the Miramar test server last Saturday, yeah it's up again right now by the way right before she went to work and buddy i was i it was probably my worst PUBG session i've ever had i was so frustrated i just wasn't feeling it oh wow we played like four games maybe jeremy was playing with us we only got the new map once because you know they started cycling in the old map too i was just done so that night when she got home she was like oh no do you want to try Fortnite?" and i was like fuck it i guess it was fun. Like like I said, I'm not great at it. Um, but I'm sure if, if I were to keep up with it and practice it a little more, I could get a little better. From the videos I've watched and stuff, I I can see why the younger people are attracted to it more. Like, it's just... Well, and you can also not take away the fact that it's free to play. That is yeah, a it huge is factor in its popularity. Not that it's not fun. I enjoyed it, myself. I'm not and taking... And it's like, it's, got, it's loot box central with, like, cosmetic stuff, right? There's yeah. a bunch of goofy cosmetic shit. Yeah, yeah, and, and nothing nothing that affects gameplay but lots of skins and extra things. And I'll say this. It is very refreshing to play a much less janky type of Battle Royale game because that game runs fucking silky smooth. That's the one thing I'll say for it when it comes to it versus PUBG is it is, it is a, uh, a smoother product, at least at the state it's in now. Yeah, playing PUBG is like riding down a gravel road with your suspension going out. <laughs> right, right. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. All right, so you got that You got that playlist ready for yeah, me? Yeah, I got it here. This okay. is Will's California Mix, all right? All right, now I'm going to give each of these songs an A to an F rating. And guys, these are just my opinion, so don't get right? too upset. Go for um, it. And Moisture Farmers, I'd like to hear your feedback. If there are any that I did not have on here that you think I should, or any other on here that you don't believe are worthy. I tried to make sure I did my research. Either the band is California-based and the song kind of reminds me of the California feel, or there's something specifically referencing California in the song. Okay. So I have California Love by Tupac. A plus. Dr. Dre. Uh, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. C. Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. F. California Girls by the Beach Boys. I'll give it a C. I knew that was coming. California Girls by Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg. I knew that was coming. Uh, For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. I'm not familiar with that, I don't think. Stop. Hey, what's that sound? Oh, fucking A+. Uh, White Rabbit 
by Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> get ready to blow your fucking mind. You know we're going to get on the airplane, and I'm going to crank that bitch to 11. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Hotel California by the Eagles. I just hate the Eagles, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bever- I'll give that like a B. I mean, the Eagles aren't necessarily my thing, but I don't hate them. I, I think I have a bigger soft spot for country music than you do. Oh, you de- no, there's no debate about that. Like, I just, it is a rare, rare event where I'm like, that's a good country song. <laughs> good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. It's going to come in as a hard C from Hawes. Yep, C, middle of the road, pass, but not, not flying colors, no honor roll. Beverly Hills by Weezer. Okay. I wonder what King... T- I bet you... I wonder... So you know our, our good friend King Tom, right? Mm-hmm. He is a massive Weezer fan, right? He is... Right. Weezer to him is what Tool is to me, right? I wonder what he feels about sort of their more radio-friendly sort of poppier hits like yeah. um, Beverly Hills. I will have to say, like, is that my w- favorite Weezer song? No. But it is awfully catchy, and that's one that I find myself sort of like singing to my like it's weird, like it's one that gets stuck in my head all, pretty often. Okay. Um, going to California by Led Zeppelin. I mean, a plus. You got to get the lead out, right? Uh, there's a California by Phantom Planet. Now this was obscure; I hadn't heard of it before. Oh, but I listened to it. And I, I was know like, oh, that song. It's the, I can that's, dig it. That's the dude from Rushmore, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There uh, you go. That's an F for me. Not a fan. <laughs> uh, the Hills by The Weeknd. Not familiar. Oh, Hawes. Um, I took a pill in Ibiza by Mike Posner. Not I don't familiar. Think you're familiar with that one either. Uh, Despacito. Not familiar. I know that song was like. I know that song was fucking huge. I saw that song being mentioned on Twitter, but if you played it for right for me right now, I wouldn't recognize it. And I'm pretty sure he says something about a burrito. (laughs) Why not go have some chips and pico? It's it's. I know that's probably disrespectful to the whole. But I, I, you know, I don't speak Spanish, so I'm not really sure exactly what they're saying. Go for it. Next, Uh, peaceful, easy feeling by the Eagles, which I know you won't really appreciate. Um, I like that song in in the realm of Eagles. I like that better than uh, Hotel California. Um, Danny California by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. CF. I am not a uh, Chili Peppers guy. You are not a Chili Peppers I'm guy. Not, that kind of surprises me. I, well, once again, it's one of those instances where I think the band musically is incredibly talented. But I also feel like... Their lead singer sometimes is like, hmm, what should I do on this song? Oh, I know what I should do. A flippy, you flippy, a- whippy, whippy, whippy. A slippy, <laughs> slippy, a dippy, dippy, dippy. You know what I Make, mean? Making up lyrics that aren't exactly lyrics. Yeah. That's scat. Get out of here, Steven Tyler. <laughs> okay. Santeria by Sublime. Okay. Uh, Sublime, not my favorite band, but it's a band that I like. I don't listen to but by choice, but it's a band that reminds me of Jesse because it's like one of her favorite bands, so I have like a soft spot for them, if that makes right. sense. Yes. <clears throat> Did that one get a rating? I, I assume a B or a C. I'll give it a B, and that's uh, that's nepotism. Yo, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. 
Uh, Lost in Hollywood by System of a Down. Okay, okay. Um, Happy uh, Together by the Turtles. Not familiar with that. I can't see me. Okay. Nobody okay. but you. Okay. I I, um, I, I, I gotcha. I sat by the ocean <laughs> by Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, you know, you know, I'm a Queens fan. I that's, knew you would like that one. That's a little. I can't remember what albums that that's off of, but I I can like, dig it. Like Clockwork, something something like that. Okay, so it's um, not the newest one; it's the last one, I think. Uh, Fiddle in the Drum by A Perfect Circle, which is a Joni Mitchell cover, but the way A Perfect Circle does it is really good. Ass. Yeah. Um, I get, can I make a quick aside? Sure. So you know I've been waiting since 2006 for a new fucking Tool album, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're finally recording it. Finally. In fact, they posted last week that they're done recording the drums. So, you know, maybe by next year I have a new Tool album. But in the meantime, they released a new A Perfect Circle album like two weeks ago. Yeah, I've been hearing nothing but good stuff about it. Oh, really? Because I don't like it. Oh, really? And you know, that's that's hard for me to say. Yeah, it is hard for you to but say. But I don't dig it. Go for it. Next. <clears throat> All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Oh, A+. Plus. Uh, L.A. Woman by The Doors. I know you don't really like The Doors. You are correct um, in that assessment of my enjoyment of The Doors. I'm a Believer by The Monkees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can get down with the monkeys a little bit. Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Oh, come on. A plus. There's a lot of Jimi Hendrix on here. Just That's because, fine. Man. It Never Rains in Southern California by Albert Hammond. Not familiar. Oh, really? California Sun by the Ramones. Okay, right on. I can dig the Ramones. Magic Carpet Ride by <laughs> Stephen <Wall. laughs> I can. I can. Okay. So... Can I tell a real quick brief aside about That's that fine. song? No, I like this. I like where this is going. This has got some beautiful tangents attached. Okay. So I've said before that I went to a very strict religious, like Southern Baptist high school, right? Oh, yeah. And for our senior, so we had chapel every Friday, which was basically a church service, right? And once a year, the seniors got to put on a presentation during chapel. And a lot of times it was like a slideshow and like maybe a skit that the drama nerds came up with and, and that right. kind of stuff, right? Well, my senior year, we did the slideshow thing and everybody got to pick music that played during their section of the slideshow. So it'd be like you from a baby until, you know, your senior year in high school, right? Right. And... I went to a very strict school, so they were, they were very strict about the music you could pick. And at the time, right. I was into some very un Southern Baptist-friendly music. I mean, I guess you could say it still am. So it took me forever to get a song that they were fine with, right? Right. And eventually, uh, I managed to squeak by Today by the Smashing Pumpkins, right? Okay. Which is like, Today is the Greatest Day yeah. I've Ever Known, right? That song. Yeah. And it was to me, it was like a, a subtle little dig, like, it's the greatest day I've ever known because I'm getting the hell out of here, right? Right. I thought it was real fucking cool. But th there was plenty of songs that they were like, no, you can't use that. It, even instrumental songs from bands they just didn't like, right? Yeah. But you know my buddy When it comes Steven? to the Hawes music veto, I bet they had like a red button on the desk that were just like, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, but my buddy Steven, right? Right. You you know Steven. I know Steven. He's a good guy. Right. He 
was able to put Magic Carpet Ride on his, right? Which right. is a song clearly about doing drugs. Right. And they were like, no, let's let it go. Magic Carpet Ride, that's a jam. Come on, Steppenwolf. Right. They're like, <laughs> I lived through the 70s. <laughs> What's next? Um, Going Back to Cali by the Notorious B.I.G. Okay, badass. Like it. Light My Fire by The Doors. We'll do. We'll, we'll pop all the Jimi Hendrix here in a row. Hey Joe, Foxy Lady, Little Wing, The Wind Cries Mary. All Jimi Hendrix. You're missing an important Jimi Hendrix song, and I'm I'm honestly a little it hurt. There, it may be there later. I'm We're a little the- hurt because this Jimi Hendrix song holds a special importance in the beginning of our friendship. I think I know which one. Just okay. give it a second. Okay. I don't. I don't okay. think we, we're not at the end of the list. Uh, Daydream Believer by the Monkees. Okay. Uh, did I say Voodoo Child by Jimmy Hendrix? Oh, there it is. There oh. we go. Do you remember? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I. Woo. Woo. I used to dig that song. Uh. When I first started I participating, <laughs> stand next to a mountain and chop it down with the edge of his hand uh, in almost a surre- surrealistic fashion. That and Little Wing. Those are my two favorite um, Jimi Hendrix songs. But when I first started participating in certain extracurricular activities in college, man, Voodoo Child was my jam. I'm standing next to a mountain. I'm going to chop it down with the edge of my hand. Yep, definitely. I Got You, Babe by Sonny and Cher. All right. Um, Peace of My Heart by Big Brother and the Holding Company. Not familiar. Take another little piece of my heart now, baby. Of course, I'm familiar with that. Okay. Janis Joplin is probably who you're familiar with singing. She used to sing with Big Brother and the Holding Company. A very uh, hate Ashbury kind of music scene. Riders on the Storm by the Doors. I Left My Wallet in El Segundo by A Tribe Called Quest. (laughs) Right on. Hey, that's a nice. That's a nice pull. Right, right. It's very eclectic. Some of this stuff is very obvious. Some of it less obvious. Yeah, right. Uh, Crosstown Traffic by Jimi Hendrix. So much Jimi Hendrix on this playlist, I'm, I'm realizing. And the doors all of a sudden. Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Friend of the Devil by the Grateful Dead. And Casey Jones by the Grateful Dead. The only two Grateful Dead songs that made it on this list. <clears throat> to Live and Die in L.A. by Tupac. Okay, right on. See? The beat goes on. By Sonny and Cher. Straight out of Compton by NWA. Uh, you like that one, don't you? I knew that was good. I be. do. I love some NWA. Straight out of Compton. Uh, the Joker by Steve Miller Band. Take the Money and Run and Jet Airliner by Steve Miller Band. Okay. Uh, Fuck the Police by NWA. Perfect. Express Yourself by NWA. Perfect. It was a good day by Ice Cube. Oh, uh, now that that would be like my California playlist might be that song like fourteen on, times on, on repeat. repeat. I love that song. Check yourself by Ice Cube. Hypnotize by the notorious B.I.G. Uh, San Francisco, be sure to wear flowers in your hair by Scott McKenzie. Um. 
Fortunate Son and Bad Moon Rising by Credence Clearwater Revival. Richard Burkhart, my father, would fucking approve of that in a big way. And Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. That's where we're at so far. That's a, that's a solid list, buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've been thinking about, like, oh, I should put together a California playlist and then Will and I can compare, but, like, mine would not be that extensive. It, yours... I mean, this is almost too extensive. This is almost reaching. You know, I was. It started off with everything that was just like California in the title, and I was like, California is more like that's kind of corny, Will. Like, California is more than just California named songs. So, <laughs> you know, I went with things that maybe referenced California or had the. There's a vibe in California. Like, granted, I've only been there once. I went to Santa Barbara for my dad's graduation from uh, Fielding, uh, Fielding University. He got his doctorate, doctorate. He got his doctoral degree in psychology, and we went out there for his graduation. And I went through L.A. and spent some time in Santa Barbara. Beautiful place, really chill. There's just that California vibe, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of that hate Ashbury '60s rock and roll stuff really spoke really to me when to I was in college. So you know what you need? Still- you need to to work in there as a little since we are going to L.A. You need to work in just a tiny bit of fucking L.A. Sunstrip, Sunset Strip metal. You need a little. I used to get a little, but a little was a little. Wow, middle, wow, 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 wow. I just can't get a little, 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 middle, 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 wow. We've been dancing with Mr. Brownstone. He <laughs> won't leave me alone. Or some fucking night train. Ugh. That was for it you. It sounds like Chris you need Fresh. to make a California playlist. It, it does. We all right. Next Friday, pray for it. I'm gonna make a California playlist, and Will and I will compare, and you will see how different the two of them are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so why don't we move on? Yeah, moving uh, on. Love. Uh, hey, thank you for sharing that with us, though, buddy. Hey, I love hearing I'm that. Short. Glad to share. Glad to share. People can hate or be impressed as much as they want to. I guarantee more people will be down with it than against it. But really, at the end of the day, it's your playlist. Music is one of those things that doesn't necessarily speak to everyone. And you're talking to a guy who has the weirdest musical background history of anyone, you know, from from show choir and singing in church to, you know, stoner metal and whatever else I got into when I was older. Dude, can I tell you, I like... You've seen the most embarrassing family video that contains me, right? You know what I'm talking about. I don't. You, I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want it to become a thing, but there's a very embarrassing home video that my family, like my cousins and all of us, put together for my grandparents' anniversary. like their, Maybe like their 40th or 50th anniversary or something. And it's real embarrassing. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I tried to hide from Jesse from Jesse for years until finally it, it's on an old VHS tape and that shit got drug out like the fucking oh, man. staff. My of mom used to have an album that had, like, naked pictures of me in the bathtub <laughs> with my brother that she would like to bring out when girls came over. It's like, Mom, why do you do this? And she'd be like, it's my right. I get to do this because I have children. You know, no disrespect to your mom, but I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. <laughs> she's and because she's like she thinks they're adorable. By the way, I would. Like she just said that. 
But what I would love to see, I would love to see some of your show choir stuff doing fucking oh, magic dude. fingers and stuff. I don't. Oh, spirit. Yeah. Sha-na-na. Those aren't jazz fingers. <laughs> These are jazz fingers. So, um, Pop, locking in, stepping. Like Box I said, <laughs> like I said when we started off, lots of Star Wars to discuss. So yeah. we'll hop right in. I'm going to try to do this chronologically as far as when stuff was announced and came out and stuff. <clears throat> so the first thing that popped up since we last recorded were the new updates that are coming to Battlefront 2, right? Uh, you know, Battlefront 2 has really been pushing these updates. They're going into their next season, right? And they announced that season 2 is the quote-unquote Han Solo season. However, we're going to have to wait until like sometime in June until the stuff from Solo starts showing up. And they haven't said specifically what's showing up or anything like that. <clears throat> but what they did announce is that this month, May, we're getting an update that's going to add Jabba's Palace as a map for some of the uh, smaller game types. Not Galactic Assault, but for like... Um, you know, blast and and things like that. Uh, they're adding two new costumes, two new legendary costumes. They're adding Lando and his skiff guard gear, and they're yeah. adding Bush Leia, which I am so excited for. That's my favorite Leia getup. I cannot wait till they add that. That is, I was so stoked to hear that. Um, they're also adding a new hero duel mode. So basically, instead of like heroes versus villains, which is four versus four, it's two heroes versus two heroes. And you have to change what hero you play in between every round. So like, Ooh. I think it's, uh, you know, best of five or best of three or whatever. But like yeah. once the first round is over, you got to change your hero and then it reloads and you face the same two players that you did before. They're playing different heroes. Right. So... Not necessarily something I'm super excited about, but I'm always down for more game modes and more options to play, you know? Yeah. Uh, and um, I think that's about it. No, well, they're adding um, Starfighter Assault to arcade mode, which is like the single player, um, you know, sort of horde mode type thing you can do. Not a big yeah. deal, but... I could see where it would be uh, handy if you wanted to practice a certain hero ship or a, a certain, you know, if you wanted to practice your bomber, you could do that. Right. So, you know, they're adding some cool stuff. It sounds like, you know, you're really going to need those credits coming up in the next couple of months. So Good. Good. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what they add. I, I really hope, you know, come... Come next month, come June, we get maybe a couple of new heroes from Solo. Obviously, I would really want to see some different character skins for like young Lando, young Han, um, maybe even the Solo version of the Falcon and shit. So <clears throat> there's lots of options I think that they could go with and I'd be stoked for them to do. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And then past that... I'll be interested to see what the next season is. There are rumors out there that the next season is Clone Wars. That could be real cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, and you know, 
apparently it makes a lot of sense because this is the tenth year anniversary of Clone Wars first. Is it really? Yep. Yep. We saw that in the theaters ten years ago. I have like Jesse always tells me like either I have a really good memory or I remember the weirdest things, like the the weirdest things sort of stick in my memory. And yeah. I and and going to see Clone Wars is one of them because I remember we went on a Friday, the whatever Friday it came out. You and I were probably one of two of six people in the entire theater. I that that I remember. I remember being like, okay, that was pretty cool. I'm anxious to or I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with with the series. I wasn't like I didn't come out fucking super jazzed. Hey hey, like I normally am after seeing a. A Star Wars, I was like, right on. That was animated Star Wars. Interesting to see. It was also the Friday, if I'm not mistaken, that Gears of War 2 came out. Because yeah. I vividly remember going and buying that immediately after the movie. Oh, yeah. So, it's just one and of those... And then hunkering weird... down and chainsawing through <coughs> grub people. And we played... Um, we played Horde Mode all night. Like, till night. 3 or 4 in the morning. The next morning, you and I got up early and put together uh, your special brownie recipe because we had a very uh, special event to go to. We went and watched an Alabama game at Steve's house, an Alabama yep. football game. It's weird that I remember the, this like this specific weekend in that much detail. What I remember <laughs> about Clone Wars movie in a theater was feeling pretty lukewarm towards Ahsoka. Like Ahsoka really grew on me. Yeah. Her first appearance, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Who I, is this bitch? Like, I totally agree, and I think that's probably one of the most impressive achievements of Clone Wars. And when you hear like Ashley Eckstein and Dave Filoni talk about Clone Wars, like Ashley Eckstein says, when they started, like when when she got the job, Dave Filoni straight up told her, like, people aren't gonna like you at first, but be patient and give it time and right. they'll, they'll, they'll grow into it. And he, he couldn't have been more right. Like think of how popular a character Ahsoka is. And I right. think rightfully so. Ahsoka's one yeah, of my favorite I mean, Star Wars right. characters now. Absolutely. I totally agree. But you know, seeing her for the first time in that animated movie, the whole snips and fly guy thing, I was like, no, thank you. You and can R2 put that e? back wherever you got it from. I know. I was like, who, who does she think she is calling R2 R2? Yeah, that's R two D two, and you the end of it felt respect. like intermission. I was like, "All right, where's the other half of this movie?" Oh, it's over. Well, you know, I think that was a. I I I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure, you know, those that was like three episodes, maybe even like the first three episodes planned for the series that they were like, "Let's edit this into a long movie and put it out in theaters," right, to sort of advertise the series coming. Um, you know, Clone Wars is one of those things, like, even when I go back and watch it, that first season has some excellent moments in it, but it to me, it really doesn't kick off and get really good until, like, maybe towards the end of season two, definitely into season three. Season three, four, and, and five, um, like, the Lost Missions thing, That there's a lot of great stuff in it, but it takes a while to get into it. Yep. <clears throat> I would be really stoked if Ahsoka is a hero character. Dude, that would be awesome. I love Ahsoka now. Yeah. I mean, like, like even in Clone Wars, she totally... After that first season, I was like, all right, all right, I get it. I get it. I, I see 
Well, it's it's really cool when you go from seeing the Clone Wars movie and the snips and Fly Guy and blah 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 to her last arc when she leaves the Jedi Temple. Like it is that is some great sort of character development and growth Talk in about that character. Yeah, yeah, man, that's it's that's really more good. growth than you ever get to see Anakin Skywalker go through in the entire Star Wars ever. I don't know. I, I think if you can include uh, Clone Wars in his story arc, it it helps quite a bit. Um, it's I think it's definitely more than you got out of several Rebels characters. You know, I, I think they did a better job with her than they did with several of the Rebel characters in their sort of growth. <clears throat> All right, so that's sort of the first thing that came out this week. The second one, this was a surprise. This actually came out yesterday. And I was driving home from work, and I stopped at a gas station, put a little gas in the car, and I got down and I looked at my phone, and I had a message from King Tom himself that said, so Obi-Wan movie, huh? And I was like, I, what? I and saw that. I had to get home, so I didn't, like, sit down and chat with him. I was like, what? And then just kept driving. And when I got home, I was able to sit down and look into it. So uh, a fan site, uh, a, a fairly reputable one at that, by the name of Fanthatrax. Um, some of the guys that used to do Jedi News um, moved over from Jedi News and started their own thing. And this comes from one of their staff members, Brian Cameron. He reports... That not only is an Obi-Wan movie coming, it is fairly far along in pre-production. Like, there's concept art and all that kind of stuff. Like, it is an active development at Pinewood Studios. So much so that it is planned to start shooting by, like, next January. Basically, once episode 9... Because, you know, they sort, they sort of work on this schedule where a movie wraps up and then not too long after that, they go into the next one. Right. So, uh, it definitely sounds like Obi-Wan is uh, next on the docket for a December 2020 release. That is what they reported. I, I read that article, and I was trying to be like, oh, this could be fake. Uh, let me temper my expectations. Uh, let me talk to Hawes before I really get excited about how real this is. So, I have no personal like insight like, I'm not a dude that has sources and shit, so I, I can't say, like, oh, yeah, it's 100% real or it's 100% fake. I would say that, um, you know, Brian Cameron, the guy that reported on this, is, like, a, a longtime guy in the fandom. He knows his shit. Uh, our buddy Jason commented on it and said, like, if Brian is saying this is the case, then I trust Brian. So, and, and you mm -hmm. know, this is not, we've we've heard so many rumors about this. It, it's one of those things where, like, it's, I think it's a if there's smoke, there's fire type of situation. Right, right. Um, so, at this point, I'm pretty confident. December 2020, you know, if there's nothing that happens, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to change that, I think we might be getting an Obi-Wan movie. I think it might actually be happening. You know, Obi-Wan's my favorite character. I know, man. And it's an exciting prospect to me. It's one of those things where, like, you know, they say, oh, they're doing a Han Solo movie, a young Han Solo movie. And I'm like, oh, there's so much. They could do this, this, and this. This one, you know, I, it, it's one of those things that, like, if they, if they sat down and said, hey, we want you to write an Obi-Wan story set in between episode three and four, I'd have a tough time cracking that nut. Just because... 
you know, there's there's several parameters in my mind. We've talked about this so yeah. many different times, but you know, there's so many things that I think you can and can't do in a movie like that that, you know, I don't know. I I am very excited. I want to hear more about it before I get like way too excited. <clears throat> and in the article didn't mention anything about like Ewan coming back, although, you know, I, I think How that's could you not? Right. Who else would do it? The only thing I can guess, the, the only thing that, and this would be a, a major curveball, is if it's a young Obi-Wan movie, like even younger than the Phantom Menace young uh, Obi-Wan movie. I can't necessarily see them going that route, but if they did, you can't really cast you and McGregor in that no, role. You no, know? no. And I mean, I could dig <sighs> that. You'd have to recast Qui-Gon Jinn as well, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with because Qui-Gon Jinn is right up there with Obi-Wan, like, you know, as like my second favorite Jedi. I strive to be Obi-Wan Kenobi in my life. You know, <laughs> like that's that's one of my role models. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm pretty excited about that. It, once again, it's it, I, yeah. a couple of months, a uh, couple of months, a couple of months back, I feel like we heard there was a rumor about a possible director that was attached to Obi-Wan. I remember us reporting on that. I yeah. can't remember his name right now. It's, it's escaped my mind. Um, and then, you know, several interviews with, um, uh, Ewan McGregor where he's, he's been like, I would do it. I would come back. If After they he had did me. the whole Fargo thing, he went through a messy divorce cause he, got tangled up with his co-star in Fargo. Oh, really? Yeah. That ain't the fucking... That ain't the fucking Jedi way, Obi-Wan. Yeah, well. What is it they say? Never meet your heroes. You'll always be disappointed. Hmm. Speaking of... I wasn't disappointed. Well, good. Good, good, good. I'm trying to think of someone that I look up to that I met that I was a little disappointed by. Um... I mean, like, Billy D was a little surly, but I wasn't disappointed. I was just like, <laughs> Billy D was kind of surly to me. I don't know. I'm easily impressed. He was nice to my brother, but he was sitting at the bar drinking. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't an event where he had been signing and taking pictures all day. Right. Like that's... He, wasn't, he wasn't liquored up either. I got you. So what were uh, you going to say? I was like, speaking of stories when I'm not sure are real and scripts you know, being written, I came across a story that said um, Colin Trevorrow was let go from the Star Wars 9 partly because of the awful script that he wrote and Lucasfilms was like ah no thank you hard pass. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know about that. I, I once again it's not that I think the story's fake, but it's also not that I think the story's true. Obviously, something. There was something they didn't like with what Colin Trevorrow was going to do with episode 9. So, we know that. And honestly, I would say script issues would probably be the most likely. So that makes as much sense as anything else to me. Um, Speaking of articles and and stuff about the um, Star Wars production, the next thing that sort of came out came from the Wall Street Journal. And I don't know, maybe this was in the same article. But Wall Street Journal was talking about the whole uh, Lord and Miller debacle that happened with Solo. Right. And they didn't really necessarily give any new insight that we hadn't heard 
from other sources that these guys were going too far off script, that they were taking forever to get things done, et cetera, et cetera. Like they were buttonheads with Kathleen Kennedy, all these things. The interesting piece of info that they dropped in this that I had yet heard, in fact, Ron Howard in Entertainment Weekly was very careful not to give a specific number, but they say that Ron Howard reshot 70% of Ooh. Solo. That's the that's the number that the Wall Street Journal gave. Um, uh, you know, to the amount of reshoots. <laughs> Which is, obviously, that's a very significant amount. Um, You'll, I know we'll never get our hands on the footage. It's probably been locked up or and or destroyed. Right. You know, the files deleted. Just that they just clicked and dragged that shit right over to the recycle bin. See ya. Right. Now. The purge recycle. But, like, I, I just wonder. You know, I just for shits and giggles, I wonder what it looked like. So, and, I, you know, I wonder what the conversation was between the cast being like, are, is this is this the movie we're really making? Like, is this is this not behind the scenes extra cut footage we're doing right now? I want you know I want to know what Woody Harrelson or Donald Glover were like. What the fuck is this shit? You know, right? And and you know I, I'm sure it put a lot of those people, a lot of those actors and actresses, in sort of a weird situation because you have to think like those two guys, Lord and Miller, are who helped cast these people. I don't right. know that, like, with the way Lucasfilm runs, that they had final say. Like, uh, I, I kind of think that at some point Lucasfilm is like, nah, I think you guys need to go with them, or however. Yeah. But still, they kind of got the job under these guys' stewardship of the movie. Right. And now, I mean, but on the other hand, like, I, I, I don't think it's a fucked up thing to say that going from the guys that did the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street, regardless of how you feel about those movies, I think the Lego movie is great. Yeah. Um, 20 Run Jump Street, I thought was enjoyable, but do I ever want to watch it again? No, it's not like a, it was funny for a viewing, not something I plan to revisit, you know? I thought 21 Jump Street was good. I thought I it was funny. I thought it hit right on the mark where 20, you know, about what 21 Jump Street was about. But, I, I think it's a, a, a definitely fair to say that going from those guys to Ron Howard, that's a pretty serious upgrade, you know? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> now, so... And I, I got to give props to the cast for sticking around to reshoot yeah. damn near 70% of the movie. Even like, though it didn't uh, it didn't work out for everybody. Troops? Like, uh, the guy... I always forget his name. He was in The Wire. I think he was also in Oz. I hope I'm not wrong about that. He was basically going to be playing Voss's character, Dryden Voss, before Paul Bettany took right. over the role because he couldn't come back for the reshoots because of scheduling stuff. Um, so if seven, what I'm trying to get to is like, so if they reshot, if he reshot 70% of the movie, that leaves 30% that was done under Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, my question is, how much of that 70% is special effects shots, action scenes that like necessar wouldn't necessarily need to be reshot? Something I, I must, that's what I'm assuming the 30% is. Like, yeah, that's, I'm saying like uh, anything of like, not to be a dick, but real substance, performance, and, and like dialogue and any of the meat of the movie is probably what was reshot. Things that weren't reshot were, you know, 
exterior shots, fucking action scenes, lots of CGI. It's a Star Wars movie. There's going to be a ton of CGI. So Chewbacca picking up his bowcaster. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> second unit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. I, I thought it was interesting to finally hear a number. Um, but in a, in a way, it actually sort of puts me at ease because to this day, I feel like even though it's a movie I enjoy, I feel like there's elements of Rogue One that are kind of sloppy. And I think it's because of how the reshoots went with that movie. And, you know, it's been reported, and, and I think this is probably a pretty solid number, that about 40% of that movie was reshot. So, you know, you can see, I, I, I feel like the further we get into knowing what went on behind the scenes of Rogue One, you can see where, like, new stuff and old stuff like pretty much the end of rogue one was completely redone especially when you see some of the cut scenes and deleted scenes and and alternate deaths for characters so um i i feel like reshooting more of the movie will make it more co- cohesive than the cause for the one the specific director's vision absolutely i right. can totally agree so i that kind of puts me at ease in a way where i'm like because you know I do like Rogue One, but there are elements to me that feel a little off and not in like the, oh, this doesn't feel like Star Wars way. I'm not saying that. It feels like Star Wars. But it's, it, it, I, and I, I think it's just the two different, it's, it's Gareth Edwards and Tony Gilroy being smushed together in like basically two different, like two different types smoosh. of movies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you say mill and mountain, Himalountain. or hill and mountain. You'd, I'd say him alone. No, you'd say Mill. I'm sorry. That's Lucy, daughter of the devil from the <laughs> adult swim days, back in the adult swim days. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all right. So, I think that covers that. Next thing that happened yesterday uh, was the um, Han Solo red carpet premiere. All the stars were out in force. Dressed up all fancy. A couple of our friends got to go dress up all fancy. Mm. <laughs> it seemed like it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> but there was a little bit of news that came out that I thought was pretty inter- interesting. So I watched the live stream of the um, the red carpet. And first off, Dave Filoni showed up, which he you know normally shows up to these type of things. And they asked him... Is there anything you can tell us about Star Wars Resistance? And he said nothing. Except for basically like, you know, I'm excited. It's going to be really good. Yeah, it's good. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. I'm excited to go in a different art direction. Something that's a lot closer to the type of shows I watched as a kid. Is what he said. Which, you know, that's no new news. We knew it was going to be 2D animation and things like that. Right. But then our buddy, John Favreau was there he plays Favreau. <laughs> he of course plays uh rio durant in um solo but he's also heading up the star wars live action show and while he was being uh interviewed uh on the red carpet by the star wars team he mentioned that he already has the first half of the scripts written so half of the star wars live action show is completed <clears throat> but then Sounds it gets like even better fantastic things in the works mm-hmm. already then it gets even better dan casey from the nerdist 
also interviewed him on the red carpet, and John Favreau let a little more information drop. That this show is set seven years after the Battle of Yavin, and it features all new characters, and they're going to be employing quote-unquote cutting-edge technology like he used in the Jungle Book. Seven years after the Battle of Yavin or Endor? Okay, so originally it was reported as seven years after the Battle of Endor. Today, Dan Casey came out and said he misquoted it's seven years after the Battle of Yavin. Now, that being said... Where does that, where does that fall in? Okay, I can help you with this. Battle of Yavin happens. Three years later, Empire Strikes Back happens. A year right. after that, Return of the Jedi happens. So that's four so- years. So, so three years after the Return second of the explosion, Jedi. Death yes. Star, yeah. So really, he could just say three years after the Battle of Endor. Right. <clears throat> that is super exciting to me. I've been waiting for them to start exploring this in between Return of the Jedi, the Force Awakens area. Area, yeah. and we've gotten some stuff in that. We've gotten the three aftermath books. We've gotten the Bloodline book. Um, you know, we got uh, Battlefront Two. Um, and things of that nature. We got, we've gotten some stuff, but now it seems like with episode nine coming up soon, you know, the sequel trilogy is going to be in the bag. Now they can really start exploring that 30 year span or whatever. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, I think if they're really going to go all out, like jungle book is not necessarily one of my favorite Disney movies even. So like I enjoyed the live action, movie but it wasn't like i was like oh shit live action jungle book um i'm gonna christopher walken as king louis (laughs) does and uh bill murray as baloo i mean that's about as good as gets right there hey i i got no complaints with it i'm not hating no i wasn't saying i wasn't as far as these live action like i don't necessarily even think the live action remakes of these disney movies are like necessary clearly they do amazingly well that's so they're going to keep on with them they're not necessary at all disney is printing money okay and as long as it works they will continue to print the money now however they're doing live action aladdin yeah that's what i was about to say do a live action little mermaid they're well they're gonna they've already got john favreau right now is working on live action lion king yeah. Uh, so you're talking two. My two favorite Disney movies, Lion King and Aladdin, are up for live action uh, adaptions. Riff, raff, street rat, <laughs> Ezra, Bridger, <laughs> Space Aladdin. Uh, yeah, I. So that that gets me interested. But if they're going to take that kind of technology and and put it into the Star Wars live action show, that's the one thing I got to say. Like. Whether I enjoy Jungle Book or not, man, that live action version had some incredible effects. Oh yeah, that makes oh, me yeah. excited because that sh- that shows to me like they're they're thinking, no, nah, we're not doing this as cheaply as possible. L- if we're gonna do a Star Wars live action show, let's blow this thing out of the water. Let's go crazy with it. Oh yeah, and I love hearing that. In fact, it was very cool. Jean 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 Favreau. Jean Favreau. Um, uh, was very complimentary of George Lucas and sort of the pioneering uh, special effects and, and things like that and technologies that he brought to the forefront through the original Star Wars trilogy and the prequels. And like, 
Yeah, and, ILM and then the prequels. Yeah, yeah. And, and when he was talking about it, like he was, he referenced those things saying like, you know, if it wasn't for him setting the, the ground level, I wouldn't be able to do these things that I'm doing now. And Right. That's got me stoked, man. I'm really liking, they, like they, it, they got a time period I'm in, interested in. It sounds like they're going to, you know, really and, special effects it up. I'm, I'm excited. What really excites me about John Favreau being involved in these projects is that his involvement in the the Marvel world and the Iron Man world, like he clearly has, you know, gotten his chops when it comes to the blend of reality and special effects. You know oh, what I for mean? For sure, for like sure. Bringing Iron Man to life, that because that's a that's a very careful combination of the both real world effects and special effects yeah and you know one of my favorite john favreau stories is and i think this was during the making of or pre-production of the first iron man he wanted the iron man suit to be 100 percent the whole time practical suit right right and his special effects team were like well it might be easier to do cg during some points and he was like i don't want to do it i want it to be practical to convince him, they shot the physical suit, the practical suit, and they did the CGI version and showed him both side by side, and he couldn't tell which was which. And that's what won him over on doing CG and stuff in Iron Man. So, okay. I really like that story. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just one of those things where, like, I, I like to imagine the dude, like, being, no, man, practical suit only. And they're like, practical effects are the best. <laughs> He's, like, sounding well, like me. And, and, well, that's the thing, man. Like, I feel like this is something I think about a lot while I'm driving around. I got a lot of time to think because I drive so much. But, like, some of the cool shit we see, like, think of how cool and badass Infinity War was, right? Right. And, like, there was more CG in that than the prequels. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You, but you wouldn't be able to achieve that if George hadn't put the work and, right. and the sacrifice in and stuff into right. the prequels. So I, I definitely appreciate the advancements in movie making that the prequels provided. Although I, that I 100% agree with most people when they're like, you know, it's a little weird at times. I love the prequels, but I can definitely see people's complaint with how much CGI there is in them. But because, now, and the only reason I say this is because they don't hold up as well. It doesn't make it as timeless. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's it's crazy because like I feel like Jar Jar still looks really good as far as a CGI character. It's not it like it's like when you go back and watch a obviously a cheaper movie that has CGI in it and you're like, "Woo, all right, here's an excellent example. This shit didn't hold up then and it definitely doesn't show, hold up now." You remember at the end of the Mummy 2 when they meet the Scorpion King and it's like a giant scorpion with the rock's face on it? Yeah, yeah. That shit looked bad then, it really looks bad now. Right. There's nothing like that in the prequels to me. There are some odd points and like weird sort of eyeline stuff whatever but i feel like now with star wars movies like you know force awakens last jedi rogue one i'm sure solo those don't necessarily have less cg than the prequels but no. they got the balance right i feel like right. i feel like there's a good balance of like 
real sets with like green screen extensions or yep. completely green screen sets with practical aliens and shit. I feel like they kind of nailed the balance with these newer movies to where it's not as obvious. But once again, I don't yeah. think you get to that place without the prequels. It, you're right. You don't get there without, you know, the attack of the clone, you know, Dax and his saber dart, or you don't get there without the Kaminoans or the Genosians, you know, you don't get there without the Gungans. Like all this had to happen and so that you could get there. And let me just say, like, I understand why people give Andy Serkis as Gollum much more props because, like, it's better. I, I can say that. It hurts me. But Ahmed Best did that same shit years before. Right. That same He had to walk around with that damn Jar Jar visor on. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, man. So, you know, boy, I, I, boy, I, I just you. think, you know, it's important to give props where props are due as far as it comes to the overload of cg and the prequels yeah um and and the it's one thing that the another set of things that doesn't hold up as well as the special editions of the original trilogy you know you go back and you look you watch some of those and like some of those scenes are better because of the special edition editions that george was tweaking and some of them pull you out of it they don't hold up as well yeah. Simply because of CGI at the time. Yeah, I can see that too. It, it, it's one of those things where, like, it's just I'm so used to it now, and I'm also I'll 100% admit I'm kind of biased in favor of CG because that's what I went to college for. I went to right. college for computer animation. I didn't graduate, but when Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith came out, that's what I was going to college to do. Like right. when I was. 99 so i was like so when i was 16 when phantom menace came out there was an episode of 60 minutes in the lead up to phantom menace where they basically talked to george lucas it was a big special where they went over like this is the crazy special effects they use in this movie cgi and like you know showed how like coruscant was made and how jar jar was made and shit yeah I Most sat there. scenes just built to the height of the actors, except right. for Liam Neeson. We had to build some more because he was too tall. And I, I, um, I sat there and watched that with my mom and my dad. And when it was over, I was like, that's what I want to go to school to do. I want to do computer. An-. Like, that was when I made my decision. So, like, I'm very biased when it comes to the prequels because that for the longest time, that's what I thought I was going to do. <clears throat> if that bug has still got you, we can get you to full sale. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can... We can get you some CGI degree. <laughs> Go to the Dave school. That was my when uh, when my college because they what ended up happening is they got rid of computer animation as a degree as a yeah, degree. And like your junior year or some shit like that. Well, yeah. See, the way it worked where I went, you basically had to go up to your senior year and do a art review where they would review you know your drawing one drawings drawing two, painting sculpting 3d design computer design all the stuff that led up to that and if you passed your review you could then go on to a specialty like computer animation or graphic right. design so i never even like if i had gotten up to the my point of my review and passed it i would have been grandfathered into the program until i was able to finish but i didn't get up to that point when they canceled computer animation i hadn't been through my senior review yet or junior oh, review or whatever they called it. So, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. 
Um, all right. So yeah, a little news from John Favreau, and then um, after that, we started getting some solo reactions on social media, and uh, I would say all but one or two that I've seen have been pretty positive. I would say either like lightly positive to very positive. There's been people that were like, "Wow, it was so much fun." There's been people that are like... Strong to quite strong. Yeah, and then there were people that were like, it was good, I enjoyed it. Like, is it my favorite? No, but I really enjoyed it. And then, like I said, I saw one or two people were like, I don't know, I just didn't like it. Now, these were just early social media reviews. If you want to see a really, really good, um, spoiler-free review, go check out Steel's YouTube page, Steel Wars on YouTube. Steel is one of the best guys out there. Steel and the making Star Wars. Um, now this is podcasting guys. They're really on top of their shit. They are quality content providers, and they they bring it home big time. Yeah, and and you know, like I don't know if this was really goofy, but I was really like proud and happy to see those dudes finally get like the the big premiere invite. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I was yeah. like, fuck yeah, it's about because time. These guys really do they, major they, big shit for the community. They like, do it, man. And like, and I'm not just saying that because we're on the network. If I weren't on the network, no. before we were on the network, I spoke highly of, of those guys. And I, I mean, you just got to give credit where credit is due. Like, like they're they hard work their workers. Asses off. And I, th- I felt like they deserved it. So if you guys really want to see a really good spoiler review with some early impressions. Go check out that spoiler video. Spoiler-free review. Jason's in it. Yeah, spoiler-free review. Jason's in it. Amanda's in it. Steele's in it. Our buddy Sal is in it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, go check that out. Um, but I got to say, like, hearing early reviews that are positive, that's right up my alley. That's what I want to hear. That's a, what do we want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, now... This is something that our listeners that don't want spoilers need to keep in mind. So they were allowed to do uh, social media impressions last night, which means no spoilers and stuff. But I believe the review embargo lifts next week, May May 15th. Oh, goodness. And so if stay that away is the, from your news feeds. Yes, that is what I'm going to say is like, be very careful if you don't... <gasps> want spoilers you got to tread stay away from pinterest or reddit because there will be memes that reference stuff that you're not quite sure about and if you dig too deeply you'll spoil it for yourself yeah and i gotta i gotta say like i'm so glad that i was very adamant about seeing infinity war opening weekend because i feel like the monday after infinity war oh my god the dam broke and there was just a ton of memes and 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 spoilers and stuff out on twitter i luckily avoided all of it before i saw it the sunday before but yeah yeah so that's why i'm glad i saw it early too is because and like the next day i got online i was like god damn there's infinity war spoiler shit everywhere so one thing I Every would say is meme on the internet. One thing I'll say is that you guys may want to do is like if you use Twitter, maybe put together a, a list of muted terms, be it hashtag solo or Han Solo, Chewbacca, whatever. Like, just go through, or avo- avoid Twitter for nine days. You know, right? Uh, I'm probably going to do a mix of both. I put together a list of muted words or terms uh, for Infinity War, and it worked out for me. 
I don't, you know, it's not like I went back afterwards to see after I unmuted all that stuff to see if, um, you know, anybody was spoiling stuff before that. But, you know, if you, it's, it's, it's interesting because they let people see this one so much earlier. Yeah. You know, before it was like three days before the movie came out that the premiere happened. And that was a little easier to deal with as far as like avoiding stuff. Now... With it just being fucking two weeks, basically, it's going to be a little tougher. So, um, and as always, there are going to be those assholes that make fucking throwaway accounts to try and ruin it for people just because oh, they're yeah, fucking sad little assholes that you know like, want to like ruin the, people's fun. Like the people at the Harry Potter Seven book release that would run out and be like, "Snape dies." It. Oh, what is it? Uh. Dumbledore dies in the end. Dumbledore dies in the end. Yeah. I saw a fucking... Oh, sorry. Spoiler. Spoiler <laughs> for Harry Potter 7 if no one's well, read it's that actually, book. Sorry. Actually, it's a Harry Potter 6 in which Is Dumbledore it? dies. It's the Half-Blood Prince. Thank you very much. I appreciate you correcting me for that. Mm. I saw a full-on fist fight at a Walmart in Starkville, Mississippi. I went to Walmart at midnight to pick up that book, and somebody came up to the line and yelled that out and a dude in the line fucking track star ran him down and started beating him up dude i might do the same like if my kid was in that line with right me, i don't know that i'd have to do that in front of my kid i'd i'd be so torn i'd be like oh i don't want to i don't want to exhibit violence but god bless i want to punch her face in for what you just did to all these kids here it, it's just a shitty thing to do to people like i don't know man well, <clears throat> I think that does it for news this week, and we got a couple of emails to go through, so do you want to do that? Oh, you know I love the emails. Well, let's hear a little a little song, a little ditty about a, a character I sure would uh, wish would get their own Star Wars story. A little ditty about Kia D and his harem. <laughs> Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box Giddy. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Giddy. Cockhead, so stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Giddy. Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Luher! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! G&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! Melodious. All right. So we got two emails this week. And the first one is from uh, artist extraordinaire and our good buddy, Evan DeCellis. And guys, let me say, Evan has been doing a little work for us for a project we've got uh, in the hopper. And that shit Ooh. is dope. I've been teasing it a little bit on Twitter. So if you follow and us let on me Twitter, tell you, Moisture Farmers, how excited I am for the bounty, the cornucopia of content 
we are putting together for you. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. getting me excited. Yeah, man. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to unveil our master plan pretty soon. Uh, so this is what ha Evan has to say. Hey, Halls and Will. It's been a bit since I wrote in, but I wanted to make sure I had something worth asking before I sent it your way. I recently heard of this concept called a positivity sandwich. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it consists of always providing two positive things for every one negative point you make. If you don't mind, I'd love to hear you hear both of you guys make provide a positivity sandwich, AKA, aka two things that you think you're going to love about Solo and one thing you expect not to. Thanks, thank you both for the amazing show, Evan. P.S. Have either of you guys tackled God of War yet? I've sure you've seen I've sure you've seen the critical praise for it, but it's truly one of the most most of Woo. I am getting tongue-tied. This is why that guy wrote the review that said, hearing me read emails is like nails on a chalkboard. I'm sure you've seen the critical praise for it, but it truly is one of the most amazing video games ever made, in my opinion. So yeah, I have slowly, very slowly, been working on God of War. And it is pretty incredible. I know old Goose Payne has been... Your boy Goose Payne has been beating the brakes off old Kratos. Yes, he has, my dude. He has been dick deep in some God of War. That's like his favorite franchise, probably. So, Man, um, put, them, put them Kratos swords on him. Oh, man. God, let me tell you, Kratos is my dude. Um, positivity sandwich. So, two things I feel very positive about. One thing I'm not so sure about. This is actually it's kind got of... Tough the meat me. is the negativity. Yeah. This is a management. When you have to provide feedback for uh, employees in management, you are encouraged to use a positivity sandwich. Really? That's yeah. I w there's some been some bosses I've had in previous jobs that I wish that maybe snacked on a positive <laughs> positivity sandwich yeah. every now and then. Two things you do great: smack it on the outside of something you need to improve in in the middle. Okay, so. Two things I'm very excited for. Um, okay, I think I can do two. I, I well, I I know I can definitely do two. The one negative, like I'm in such a solo mood now, especially that I'm starting to hear like early reactions and shit. That I um, you know, it's tough. But I think I can I can do it. Um, two things I think will be really good is I think um. Lando will, will be really good. And I think the fact that it's going to be, if I had to guess, and, and from what I've seen from some early reactions, sort of just a, a, a fun uh, space adventure movie with a, maybe a little twist and turns, like maybe some double crosses and stuff in here. But like, you know, just a fun, straightforward Star Wars adventure movie with Han Solo. So, that, did I say two things that I'm really, think are going to be really excellent? I you said Lando. Yes. And seeing that it's an adventure story. Yeah, I think that that's the two. Um, and one negative, I think, for me personally, like, I'm pretty sure I'll enjoy the movie, but I wonder if I will miss uh, sort of because it's my favorite stuff in Star Wars is the little, you know, the mysticism and the, you know, the little bit of more weird 
things that come along with Star Wars sometimes. And, and um, obviously doesn't, I mean, there's not going to be any Jedi or anything. So that'll also be missing. So I wonder um, if the those elements being not in the movie will, you know, affect my overall enjoyment as a whole of the movie. I expect to to really like it. It has it is yet to happen that I don't like a Star Wars movie. So I'd be greatly surprised if this is the one that does it for me where I'm like, I did not like that, y'all. Um, but I, I wonder if the lack of those elements might affect my overall, like, when it's all said and done years from now, how I view that movie. Go for it, buddy. Oz gave you an open-faced sandwich. He gave you bread, bread, meat. How's that? Which is fine. How's that open You saved the negative one for the end. It was bread, bread. Oh. It's supposed I to be. I see. It's supposed to be positive. That's the neg- positivity okay. sandwich. Well, you, the negative thing is sandwiched in between the two positive things. Well, you know Therefore, I'm bad at cooking, and apparently that includes making a goddamn sandwich. So That's fine. That's you totally go, fine. You go, and I'm going to go back to the fridge, get another fucking pack of bologna, get the fucking Wonder Bread out, and I'll make another goddamn sandwich after you go. I okay. clearly didn't. I'm bad at following instructions. That's what I'm No, learning. no, no. It, the concept of the positivity sandwich is what you're not familiar with. You just haven't encountered that. <laughs> um, I think I'm really set up for this to be maybe one of my favorite Star Wars movies yet, depending on how it goes and how I see it. It's got... It's it's gonna be upbeat. It's gonna be ass kicking. It's gonna be feeling good. You know, it's gonna be relatable for a younger audience. I think. Uh, I don't think it's gonna carry a lot of the weight, the emotional weight that some of the other uh, saga films entail. Uh, that's the first positive. The potentially negative. I'm afraid this may skew. Because, just because it's it's canon, it's writing down something in stone, I'm afraid it's going to skew people's, you know, their inside head canon of what Han Solo is and who Han Solo is and how he, just Han Solo in general. You know, you're writing, you're, you're laying down canon of what exactly Han Solo is and where he came from and telling his origin story. And, you know, I'm scared that's going to mess with a lot of people's head canon the way The Last Jedi did with Luke Skywalker. You know, that wasn't what they wanted or that wasn't what they thought he would be like or that wasn't what they thought he would do. Um, That doesn't really matter to me. I'm open to all options. But um, and the third one, I'm so looking forward to seeing the birth of the relationship between Han and Chewie, Mm -hmm. like that bromance and the relationship between Han, Chewie and the Falcon. Lando secondarily like him their relationship but Lando does inevitably betray him it's kind of rough you know I'm not necessarily I think yeah and that line where Woody Harrelson's like expect everyone to betray you and then you could say dot 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 except for Chewbacca like Chewbacca will never betray you like, right and that's what I love about that but then then his love and ownership of the the Falcon is also what I'm looking forward to nice well I just sat down at the see okay now I know I should let you go first now, all right, piece of bread, Wonder Bread, smacked on the table. Positivity number one. I'm excited to see a couple of planets that we've heard about since we were kids, but have never God. seen depicted in a canon fashion. So like Kessel, Corellia, right? Yeah. 
I think that's going to be really cool. If I were to be negative, boom, piece of bologna, smack on the bread. Um, I kind of, I kind of, I, I don't want to be a dick about this, but if there's one performance that I could see maybe being slightly lacking, it might be Amelia Clark as Kira. Like I'm, really? I'm pretty confident in uh, Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo just from what we've seen. There's been a couple of moments where I was like, eh, but I'm waiting to judge all of them in the totality of the movie. Woody Harrelson, homie eats the booty like groceries. I think he's going to nail it. Thandie Newton, I think is going to be amazing. Uh, L3, I think is going to be amazing. Now, why I say I'm a little, uh, slightly, slightly nervous about Amelia Clark is she's great in Game of Thrones, but not consistently great. She sometimes has what I feel, at least, a couple of weak moments in performance. And then she also wasn't great in that Terminator movie where she played Sarah Connor. But can you blame her for can that you or the yeah. script? It was it the script or the director or a combination of all these things. And I know what you're saying because well, anyway, finish your sandwich and we'll come back to Amelia Clark. And then boom, slice of bread. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing sort of a less potentially less imperial focused original trilogy movie. Yeah. So what I mean by that is like you know, anything we get set in the the um, original trilogy era is so focused on the conflict with the Empire. Understandably so. Now, obviously, the Empire plays a role in this movie from the trailers. We see the Star Destroyer. We see TIE Fighters and stuff. But if I had to guess, this is more sort of underworld smuggling type shenanigans where they do end up running across the Empire. I don't know this for sure. Maybe the imperial entanglement. Yeah, maybe the whole movie is them fucking around with the Empire, which I, at the end I would be okay with, but I also don't necessarily think you always need the Empire to be like... Um, <clears throat> you know, the main... The main focus as far as bad guys go. But we only have a couple weeks till we find out right. that little nugget of information. So how how was that positivity sandwich? That was perfect. Perfectly made. Perfectly okay. delivered. Okay. All right. All right. Next up, uh, we got one more email. And it's from our buddy, William. I would just say about the Amelia Clark thing. Yeah. Like, from the things that I've seen her in, she's done a good job. I haven't seen the Terminator movie, so I can't cast judgment on that. Um, but there was this one movie with her and this guy that broke his spine, broke his neck or whatever, and, like, she was hired as his maid to, like, cheer him up. And, like, they ended up falling in love or whatever. And then the dude wants to go ahead and die in the end. Like, take, you know. Wait, is this guy in a wheelchair? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me there's a, a wheelchair dude love story with Amelia Clark that I was, as until now, unaware of? Yes. I gotta see it. Oh, dude, don't. Not un not <laughs> unless you have something to not unless you're gonna get a box of puppies afterward. I mean, God bless America. I saw that movie and I was like, why? Why would a human first of all, why would a human being watch this movie? Second of all, why would you make this movie? Is there a point here like 
So wait. I mean, I guess respecting his dignity to want to go ahead and end his life. Oh, so bro. Are, are, are you saying that from a perspective of it's not a good movie or it's a sad movie? It's like, I don't know. It's a bummer. Okay, like, <laughs> You're having it, a hard time unpacking It irritated me though. so I'm, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time really nailing it down whether I'm just upset with the movie or the premise of the movie or if it's a poor movie. Like, Well, okay, so... Now that I think about it, this might upset me if I thought about it. Is, is like the point of the movie that he's so bummed that he's in a wheelchair that he's like, I'm just going to end it all? Yes. The really? whole point of the movie. He used to be surfer, biker, you know, rich kid that could do it all, did it all, you know, like. Um, and, and then he gets in a wheelchair and he's like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Nah, fuck this. I'm turned around. I'm he's turned paralyzed around from the neck down. Like, yeah, so uh, I guess that's quadriplegic. Okay, so he's got it worse than me. Okay, good to know. Like, uh, I get it, but still. Come on, man. I've been dealing with this shit for 35 years. You ain't seeing me trying to take it. Uh, take the exit. Take and, a- I mean, he's wealthy, so all, you know, he's taken care of, you know. And he's hanging out with Amelia Clark. But, he, I mean, I get it. Like, the, his quality of life is diminished or whatever, and I respect the, that, but... God bless. It's I'm like you. You made me go through this whole movie, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna, she's gonna pull on his heartstrings, and they're gonna live happily ever after. Things are gonna work out. But oh, things work out with him six feet under. Like, bummer, bro. I'm sure I spoiled that for anybody that hadn't seen it. But <laughs> all right, I'm just letting you know. Like, don't watch that and plan to have a great night afterward. Like, fair enough. So next up, we got our buddy William. Hey guys, I'll be honest, I wasn't totally stoked to hear the next content drop was going to be centered around Han Solo and the movie. That is, that is until I reviewed the details on EA's site. I'm very excited for Jabba's Palace and like the fact they're bringing some original trilogy skins into the mix. I'm a little uninterested in the new Hero Showdown game mode. I'm not sure how a condensed version of Heroes vs. Villain will continue to appeal. All in all, I feel more excited about the content drop surrounding Han Solo than I did when it was first rumored. I also wanted to get you guys insights on some of the reviews that went out after the Hollywood premiere of Solo. The ones that I read on the v- variety site seemed overall positive and praised Alden in his portrayal of the iconic character. I did notice that several people expressed that it had a slow start, but I always take criticism like that with a grain of salt. It's possibly coming from people who just got done watching Infinity War and haven't slowed down yet. As always, thanks for the great show, and may the force be with you guys. So, to be honest, I've I've not done a deep dive into social media reactions. I've seen quite a few, but I haven't like sought out like an article that condenses them all or aggregates them all. Mainly because I feel like at a certain point, the reviewers like one by one start letting little things slip. You know what I'm saying? Little hints here and there, and then. Yeah, but- if you Get read too them, much of the picture away, right? So I'm being kind of careful about it. I am, you know, I'm stoked to hear that people, you know, seem to be enjoying Alden as Han Solo. Um, I've seen a lot of praise for Chewie in this movie, which has me really stoked. Um, so you know, I I like hearing these things, especially because you know, I think for a lot of Star Wars fans, especially me included. The idea of someone else playing Han Solo is something that can make you pretty nervous. And it, it has made me nervous. And it's something that I've been become less nervous about as it's, you know, been promoted and gone along. So to me, that's 
that's the best thing to hear is that like people are like he did pretty good or people were like he did really good so <clears throat> i think that's good um i haven't personally seen the slow start thing which is uh is news to me not that like i'm bummed to hear it or, or think that's a spoiler but you know but make- honestly i kind of enjoy a slow start yeah man Just like paint the picture for me Give me the good setting, immerse me, establish the characters, and then, and then we can run away with the story. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying, man. Like, that's Sometimes not... when you throw me right in, I'm like, whoa, bro, pump the brakes. So where, why are we here already? I just remember, and, and this is actually one of the things that draws me to The Force Awakens so much. Like, The Force Awakens starts and goes 90 miles an hour and doesn't. You know what I'm saying? That movie moves, dude. You know? And I almost feel like maybe it's a little more beneficial sometimes to start off a little slower and ramp up to full speed because I also feel like part of the reason like Rogue One isn't my favorite is it has sort of a middle section. There's parts in the middle that are really slow and uninteresting to me personally, like the Edu stuff. Like I know is really important to the Jyn Erso character, but like, it's not like that became my bathroom break scene when I was seeing that movie over and over again in the theater or my go get a refill on my drink scene, you know? Um, so there's definitely, you know, I can see the benefit and that's one of the things I think is going to be really interesting, you know, five years from now when we've gotten a lot of quote unquote new star Wars movie under Disney stewardship is, sitting down and looking at how each of these movies is different because, you know, for the most part, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy feel like their own contained similar stories. Like with the, the the original trilogy, you do get some stylistic and directorial differences because of Irvin Kirshner and King Tom's favorite Richard Marquand. Um, so, you know, what what do you feel about the um, the uh, early sort of reactions that we've been hearing? I like it. I like it. I like that they're positive. I like what I'm hearing. I think I'm totally gonna dig it. Yeah, I um, mean, and like you said, the praise of the Chewbacca character. It's so nice to have Chewbacca back, right? Like. And not that he was underutilized in the original trilogy. He was perfectly utilized, but. I feel like this new group of directors and uh, you know screenwriters or whatever have perfectly utilized the Chewbacca character. Yeah, for, for exactly what he is, you know, and, and I'm loving that. I'm yeah, loving man. his good utilization. Yeah, and uh, Chewie's one of those characters. Like, I'll take Chewie whenever I can get him, man. Like, give me more Chewie. So, like, in, in fact, one of the things that bums me out about one of the the caretaker scene that was cut from the uh the last jedi is that it cuts some chewy out like there's some really funny there's like a really funny chewy scene in that with him partying with the caretakers and stuff so you know that I, whole scene should have been in the movie the I more agree. i watch it i was like you're really missing some shit that that's not in the movie yeah yeah and i, I think it was a matter of of cut for time or something um you know that's a long something else yeah, Damn, it's, like, it's a long movie, so I can understand some, the need to trim it down. But, bite, like, give me that. But, yeah, I I, I really like, and, and something to keep in mind is, 
you know, we're seeing the early reactions. Early reactions to Last Jedi were really good. So just keep in mind, like, prepare yourselves. There's always going to be someone that tries to shit on your good time. If you come out of Solo and you're like, Solo is my favorite Star Wars movie of all time, there will no doubt be someone that immediately wants to jump out and go, you're wrong. You're a fucking idiot. You're fucking, an idiot. Oh, You're man. Wrong Holdo. Fucking purple-haired Holdo. That's stupid. Yeah, there's... So, you How know, come nobody uh, ever pulled that move before? How do you know they didn't? So, I mean, just because you haven't seen it on the screen before doesn't mean that that suicide move with a giant cruiser hadn't been pulled before. So just keep that in mind. Like, if you like Solo, then just like Solo. That, that's the thing. I'm, I'm done engaging with people that that want to fucking fight about how bad the last Jedi was. They're ignorant, like in the way they want to fight for the most part that I can't you know, say that there, about everybody, but there's there plenty a large, more, there are plenty more star Wars movies coming out for them to hate as well. So yeah. And I'm sure they will. So, all right guys. So I think that about does it for us this week. Thanks for recording with me, buddy. Dude, thanks for recording with me. We got one more to record next Friday before our trip. Omas. Yeah, man. And then uh, it's off to sunny California. Yay. Um, I can almost feel the sun on my face. Woo! If you like our theme song, then please check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Uh, leave us a five-star iTunes review when you, if you have a chance. It really helps us out. Uh, helps people find our show. You know, I know we're definitely not for everybody. We might drop the fucking F-bomb a little too much, but for the people yeah, that like that to, sort of thing. We're going to have to church it up and uh, PG it for the uh, the convention at the Hoover Library. Oh, yeah, I already know that. Like, I'm going to have to make conscious efforts not to, to swear. I, You know, I at first I was like, ooh, I'm a little worried about that. But then I thought about it like, I can turn that switch off at the drop yeah, right? of the hat. Like, turn I don't... it off when I get around kids. Turn it off when I go to church. Yeah, turn I don't... it off when I get around my parents and my grandma. Yeah, I don't like go to hang out with my family and walk in the door and be like, what's the what the fuck's up, bitches? <laughs> Suck my dick! No, I, I, you know, I'm respectful. I don't curse around the kids in my family. Like, I'm good about that. So I have no doubt that that would be an issue. Um, I didn't think it was. I was just commenting on how. Oh, I'm no, I, but it was definitely something. I agree. It's something I've thought about. I was like, cross my mind. Got to be real careful with that. Like, I was talking about the live show on the Twitch stream uh, a week or so ago, and someone was like, well, I guess that means no Kia D song. And I was like, yeah, absolutely oh, no yeah. Kia D song. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tar and feather us if that should happen. Um,. Well, anyways, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, and, you yeah, know, whatever. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>